Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. It's helpful to have a sign occasionally when the bridge is out. Um, I remember one time I was driving through Fort Worth, and um, they have these retaining walls that are kind of temporary retaining walls, and they would move them based on the traffic. And somebody apparently had had some kind of a slip-up, but they had actually brought that retaining wall across one of the lanes, and there was no warning. And I remember I was, I was trucking along probably at a little bit of an ungodly pace, uh, and uh, I, all of a sudden I came up to this retaining wall with no warning. Luckily, I was paying attention, and I pulled in the other lane real quickly, and I avoided uh, a crash, but... Wouldn't it have surprised me at all if I'd have turned on the TV that night and seen a, a story about an accident because there was no warning. I'm glad that there are some spiritual warnings in our lives that God has given us and he has told us the good news of the gospel to prepare us for that day because there will be, the scripture says, a day of judgment uh, when all of those who don't know Christ will be sentenced to a place called hell. There needs to be a warning. Uh, there also needs to be a warning for God's people because we carry the message of the gospel, the warning, so to speak, for those who don't know Jesus Christ. And so there's, there needs to be an urgency in our hearts. I tell you, there was an urgency in Jesus' heart. As you look at this scripture we're about to read, he says, after John was given over, John was arrested by Herod. You know why he was arrested? He told Herod, it's unlawful for you to have your brother Philip's wife. Apparently, Herod saw his brother Philip's wife, and he said, I like the way that lady looks. And he decided to take her as his wife, even though he was taking Philip's wife. And John confronted him about it. He said, you're in sin. This is displeasing to God. Herod said, well, I'll show you. Arrest him. And they put him into a cell. And ultimately, uh, Herodias was so offended by this that she, she got her daughter to ask Herod for John's head. And John was ultimately beheaded. That hasn't happened at this scripture. Uh, but it does happen later on in the story. But Jesus knew that John had been arrested. But what does it say Jesus did? Did he go into hiding? Did he shut his mouth and say, no more preaching for me? No, Jesus boldly went and preached the gospel. And he announced that a special time, a special opportunity had come. That the kingdom of God had drawn near. And they had an opportunity to respond to it. Um, we need... First of all, to trust Jesus as our Savior, to receive the gift of eternal life from Jesus and the forgiveness that he provides through his cross. Uh, but we also need, if those of us who are here and who have done that, we need to share the gospel. We need to share the good news with people who don't know Jesus. Um, the title of my message is The Urgency of the Gospel. The Urgency of the gospel. 
you ever had somebody call you and you could tell a different tone in their voice? There's an urgency there. You're like, what is wrong? Tell me what's wrong. There's an urgency. Maybe you've seen somebody go into a burning building to save someone. There's an urgency. The urgency of the gospel. Because the gospel is urgent, it requires, first of all, our suffering. Our suffering. We need to be willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel. If you look here in in verse 14, he says, After John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come. Uh, Repent and believe the good news. After John was arrested. In other words, there was persecution going on because John was telling the truth. So is Jesus if he tells the truth. (laughs) He continues to preach the gospel. He continues to share, even though suffering is at stake. Uh, Tradition tells us that 11 of the 12 apostles were martyred for their faith. They were put to death for their faith. John died on the Isle of Patmos in prison. For the sake of preaching the gospel. You say, well, preacher, I've not seen anybody put in prison recently in our country for preaching the gospel. I'm glad glad that we live in a place that has religious freedom. But I will tell you this. If you preach the gospel, you will have opposition. If you share the gospel, you will have opposition. There are some people that won't like it. Uh, We have seen in the news, uh, as people have spoken the truth about why they won't do so, some have lost their businesses. Um, I, I heard on the radio one time a young woman who was being interviewed uh, by Focus on the Family, and she had actually stood for Christian values in a class, and the university refused to give her her degree. She had to actually go to another school to complete her degree. Um, Ray Comfort was preach, punched in the mouth. Uh, by a woman as he (laughs) shared the gospel in an inner city in our country. Uh, I had a friend who uh, used to do street preaching in Dallas. One day he he was street preaching and this heckler came up and began to shout in his face these profanities. And Alan, my friend, he kept on preaching, kept on preaching, very intense uh, uh, preacher. And at one point this man was cursing him and drawing a crowd to look at what's going on here. The next minute, he fell to his knees under conviction and gave his heart to Christ. In just one instant, it was changed. Why? Because Alan was willing to suffer. He was willing to suffer. You know, you may lose a relationship if you share Jesus Christ. You may have somebody be upset with you. I, I remember a lady calling me on the phone one day, and I began to talk to her. She was a telemarketer. I began to talk to her about Jesus, and she said, Why are you doing this? I don't like this. And she began to basically lie into me, tell me what she thought of me. And I said, Well, that's not my, my intention. My intention is to tell you bad news so I can tell you good news. And, but she hung up on me. Sometimes, sometimes you experience some mild forms. Of, and I say mild, they don't feel mild to us when we experience them. Uh, but 
compared to Christians all over the world, we have things pretty easy. I was reading in a, a book about uh, this missionary. She, she serves in the uh, Sudan. Now she's come back to the States. She's got others who've gone over. But um, the Muslims have persecuted the Christians there in the Sudan. And uh, there's this group that would go into villages. And uh, they went into this village and this man and his family were known as Christians, and, and they went up to him. They were going to take his wife and daughter to sell them into slavery. And he stood up. He was, he was fighting for them. Uh, they, they poured kerosene on him and set him on fire and then took his wife and daughter as he burned there. He barely escaped with his life. Why do I tell you that? The Lord preacher, I didn't come to the church to be depressed, uh, telling me all this stuff. I tell you that there's a cost to be paid. To share the gospel. And sometimes we forget that. Jesus knew where he was going. He was headed to a cross. He didn't say, well, you know, it's kind of nice here in heaven. It's kind of comfortable. I'm being worshipped. I have things going well. I don't think I'm going to share with anybody. No, Jesus willingly came to this earth, became a man, and ultimately went to a cross for us. Because it's that important. I remember when uh, my daughter was sick and uh, just having that feeling of, I wish it was me instead of her. And, and there was such a, a desire to see her find relief. Moses said to, the, said to God, God, you know, the Israelites had made the golden calf in the wilderness. And he said, he said God... Uh, you're, you're saying you're going to make a great nation out of me and you're going to destroy these people. He says, Lord, if you're going to destroy them, if you're going to blot them out of your book, blot me out of your book. Such was the heart of Moses for the people of Israel and God relented and he didn't send disaster because of Moses' intercession. The heart of Jesus has that same heart toward you. And we need to have that same heart toward other people. I, I confess to you, this message worked me over this week. I told him Wednesday night it was. <laughs> I was still in the process of being worked over. Um, because it's easy to lose some of the fervency in your prayers for lost people. It's easy to learn, lose some of the burden that you have in your heart for lost people. Or perhaps you've never had one. What do you do when your heart is cold toward the plight of people who are lost? You need to ask God to restoke the flame. Say, so, Lord, help me see these people, these those lost people, as you see them. Help me to love them like you love them. Fill me with your spirit and give me your heart. Intercede on their behalf through me. Give me boldness. We're going to talk about that in a second. But, you know, ask God to do in your heart what you can't do in yourself. You can't work up feelings, right? I remember at one time I, I'd, I'd heard a, a sermon on fervent prayer. And I went and I was trying to work myself up into fervency. It's like, you know, kind of trying to work it up or something. You can't do that. In order to have a godly heart, a, a passion for lost people, or uh, a fervency in prayer, whatever it is, 
It's a supernatural thing. God has to do that in you. And so ask the Lord to give you that heart uh, to share despite suffering that may come your way. Sometimes we share with family. Family may misunderstand. Um, I, I do encourage you to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in this because God knows the right time and God knows the right way. Um, but don't let that keep you from never sharing. I mean, don't let that prevent you from sharing with family members out of a fear that you might say the wrong thing and might uh, lose a relationship. Better to suffer the loss of a relationship and have a family member come to Christ than to see them in hell. Um, there's an urgency. There's an urgency. So we see the need because of the urgency for our suffering. Secondly, we see the need for our boldness. Our boldness. Verse 14 says, After John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Now this word proclaiming in my translation is, is the word caruso in, in Greek. And it means to proclaim loudly, to proclaim openly. So Jesus, Jesus wasn't going, nothing wrong with one-on-one evangelism, but he wasn't going one-on-one and kind of talking in hushed tones. No, he was, he was saying, listen, hear the gospel. He was proclaiming it out. He was declaring it with boldness. He wasn't cowed by Herod. Jesus wasn't intimidated by him. He went with boldness. The Bible says that uh, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Scripture tells us that in the early church, when the Spirit of God was poured out, they spoke the Word of God with great boldness, and uh, people were saved. Thousands were saved in such a short amount of time, but... The scripture tells us that the Sanhedrin arrested Peter and John and, and they drugged them before them and, and they scourged them, they scourged them, they flogged them and uh, then said, don't preach in Jesus' name. They said, we're going to obey God rather than men. And they went to the church and they said, let us as a church pray for boldness. Now, what we would have done is we would have said, Lord, stop the persecution. We said, Lord, we don't like this flogging stuff. Uh, stop the persecution. Protect us. That's not what they prayed for. They said, Lord, give us boldness. Help us speak regardless of what may come. Let us speak with boldness. Let us speak with courage. If you were to go into a burning building and shout at your neighbor, I'm not saying you ought to shout when you share the gospel, shout in somebody's ear. But um, if you were to shout at your neighbor, I bet they'd be appreciative if they were saved from a fire. There needs to be a boldness, a boldness to share. Jesus had a boldness with the opposition of the religious leaders. He spoke the truth to them regardless of how they hated him. Jesus had a boldness with the religious who, like the rich young ruler, he said, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. Somebody once said, if we, if we had been uh, dealing with a rich young ruler, we'd have said, oh, you're perfect for our church. You come. Hey, why don't you give? <laughs> come on, uh, join our church and have a great, yeah. 
Jesus didn't do that. He, he was bold. He spoke to the sin in the man's life. He said, he said, one thing you lack money is your God. Sell it. Give it to the poor. Come follow me. And the man went away sad. See, Jesus had a boldness to share the truth of the gospel. Sometimes we're unwilling to share because of fear. Let faith swallow your fear. Ask God for the boldness that you need to share with people. Now, boldness doesn't mean you're shouting at them. Bold, uh, we went, uh, I mentioned uh, Alan to you uh, earlier. Alan was very intense. He was ex-special forces in the military. And he would say, do you know Jesus Christ? So that's how he witnessed. I mean, it, it worked for him. I mean, God, God, there was an anointing upon his life. But you don't have to do it that way. You don't have to shout. You know, he didn't shout, shout. But, but you do need to be bold. You do need to be willing to say, hey, Jesus has made a difference in my life. Here's where I was. Here's, here's where I am. And it's because God has done a work in me. And it's all because of Jesus. And here's how you can come to know him. Maybe you carry a gospel track with you. We've got some. If you're going to give it away to somebody else, take it off the back table. I don't care. I'll get, I'll, I can get more. But, uh, or maybe it's giving a, one of those new, uh, new Testaments away or one of those Gospels of John uh, that we, we talked about when uh, Don Sunshine was here. Uh, but you give them something that they can take and then use to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. But you need to be bold. So uh, the urgency of the gospel requires our suffering. It requires our boldness. Um, thirdly, it requires our recognition. Verse 15 says, the time is fulfilled. Now, there's two words for time in Greek. Uh, there's chronos and kairos. And chronos means kind of a time, going through time. Kind of like when you're looking at a clock or something like that. But kairos speaks of an opportunity. An opportunity. You see, the gospel is the greatest opportunity that you or I could ever have. Some of you may say, well, you know, I've, I've had a great opportunity. Maybe it's a business opportunity and you're excited about it. Or uh, perhaps it's an opportunity to get that car you've wanted. Or um, perhaps it's an opportunity if you're, if you're single. Uh, to date a certain individual that you're interested in. And you're excited about that opportunity. Can I tell you, all of those opportunities are fine and good, but there's no opportunity that anybody could ever be offered that is greater than the opportunity to trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we think, you know, we're fearful. Well, you know, people might be offended if I share with them and so forth. But what we're doing is we're giving them the greatest opportunity that they could ever have. The time is fulfilled. Kairos, the time, it's now. Jesus is saying everything Isaiah was talking about, the suffering servant, the comfort of God's people, all of these things, it's fulfilled. The time is now. Open your eyes to the opportunity. It's right in front of you. 
Ever since Jesus came to this earth, there's been an opportunity that no one had before Jesus came to be a, a part of God's new covenant people, to be forgiven for our sins and, and uh, brought into a relationship with God as it, and no other time in history. Yes, in the Old Testament, they had people who had close relationships with God, but for the first time in history, all those who put their faith in Jesus Christ can have direct access to God. It, it's, it's an amazing miracle. What an opportunity. Someone said, if you sin three times a day, you're probably a pretty good person by our standards. But think of the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of sins that we commit in a lifetime just doing three sins a day. I'll tell you something, we do more than that. Isn't it a great blessing to have your sins forgiven? We were talking about that in Sunday school this morning. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sins are covered. I want to tell you something. Every sin I've ever committed or ever will commit has been washed away by the blood of Jesus. It's buried in the sea of forgetfulness. As far as the east is from the west. Can I tell you something? That's an opportunity that I'm glad somebody told me about. When you share Christ, you're giving somebody the opportunity to have their sins forgiven. When you share Christ, you're giving them an opportunity to have a purpose that they've never had before. I remember when I came to Christ, one of the things, I was just kind of drifting through life with no real purpose. And I remember thinking about it after I came to Christ, thinking, you know what? I know exactly what my purpose is now. My purpose is to let people know about Jesus and to do his will in this life. And I begin to live with a sense of purpose. There's all kinds of people trying to figure out what life's about. We know. As we offer them the gospel, we're giving them that opportunity to live with a purpose that God created them to fulfill. Jesus also gives us the opportunity to have a relationship with the living God that truly satisfies the soul. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. There's something about walking in fellowship with the Holy Spirit despite suffering, despite difficulty, where the deepest need of our heart is satisfied in his presence. I can't tell you how many times I've gone into the presence of God and I've been struggling with one thing or another and just the peace of God descends. I want to tell you something. I would... I wouldn't take any amount of money for that. To have fellowship with a living God. What an opportunity. <laughs> Listen, I want to tell you, the veil's been ripped. God doesn't play favorites. Every person who puts their trust in Jesus Christ has that same opportunity. To walk filled with the Spirit of God and to enter His presence in worship. So, recognize the opportunity. Our recognition is important. Uh, remember that what you're doing is you're giving somebody a gift. When you share the gospel with somebody, you're giving somebody a gift that is far more precious than gold or silver or any amount of riches. It is literally the riches of heaven. What a, a great thing. Jesus said the time has come. The kairos 
Opportunity is here. Recognize it. If you don't know Jesus Christ today, you need to recognize the opportunity that's been put before you. Jesus died for your sin. He, he paid the price for your sin so you could have a relationship with God. So that you could know God's forgiveness. But he asks you to make a choice to repent of your sin or, or surrender your life to follow him. To turn from your sin in your own way to follow him. And to receive the gift of eternal life. And we're going to give you an opportunity to do that in here a few moments. Um, recognize that opportunity. Christian, recognize the opportunity that you're giving others as you share the gospel. The urgency of the gospel requires our suffering, our boldness, our recognition, and finally our decision. Our decision. Verse 15. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent. And believe the good news. Our decision. The kingdom of God has come near. Now for a kingdom you need a king and you need subjects, right? The king is Jesus. The subjects are those who have put their trust in him. And have chosen to follow him. Jesus says the kingdom has come near. They probably didn't realize what, what exactly he was talking about. How did the kingdom come near? The king was right there. He was standing right there. His presence was there among them. His words were giving them instruction on what to do. He was telling them the good news. Now it calls for their decision. Will I bow the knee to Jesus and to his kingdom to follow him? Or will I reject it to go my own way? That's the decision every person has to make when they're confronted with the gospel. We can't make a decision for people, but we can give them the gospel so they have the opportunity to make the decision. And we can pray for them in that decision. And we can help them with that decision. A lot of times I offer to pray with people. Uh, a phrase at a time and some people are nervous about will I get the words wrong or something it's not really the words that matter it's the heart that matters but um, I'll offer sometimes to help them in that way you can help them with the decision but the decision ultimately has to be theirs and so um, our decision as Christians is the decision to be obedient to God in sharing the gospel uh, I read a little book uh, when I was in college, and it was talking about the Great Commission. And a lot of people in that day believed the Great Commission was just to the Twelve. But there's a lot of reason to believe it wasn't just to the Twelve. It was, there's over 500 witnesses. Jesus gave the Great Commission to everybody. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's a great commission. It's a, it's a commission that God has given every one of us. We have a decision to make. Will we obey what Jesus, the King, has told us to do? Or will we choose to disobey? It's hard. I've already confessed to you. It worked me over this week. God showed me some things, me some things about my heart that I, I, kind of made me uncomfortable. 
But can I tell you something? That's a good thing because it gives us the opportunity to say, Lord, I confess that to you. Now you come and you, you work in me and through me to do what God wants me to do. So if you're a Christian, that's your decision. If you're, if you're non-Christian, if you don't know Jesus, you've, you've never made a decision to turn from your sin in your own way, to follow Christ and to receive the gift of eternal life, that's your decision you need to make today. Um, perhaps there's some other area of your life that God's, the Holy Spirit of God's been speaking to you about. Maybe it's becoming a member of this church. Maybe it's uh, surrendering to some kind of ministry. Or uh, perhaps it is being willing to be used in an area of service. Uh, whatever it might be, if God, or perhaps it's conviction over sin. You have a choice to make. The king has spoken. Will you say yes to the king? Uh, our decision, if your gospel is urgent, our decision is very important. What decision will you make? The urgency of the gospel. If you want to look at the urgency of the gospel... Look at Jesus on the cross. Jesus said, the people that will be saved through my sacrifice are worth every bit of suffering. Worth every bit of difficulty. Worth worth my bold proclamation. Worth my death. Jesus said, I do nothing but what the Father tells me to do. He made a decision. He said, I'm going after the Father and His will 100%. He set the example for us. Zerubbabel uh, was given a message in the book of Zechariah. Zerubbabel, it's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit. This mountain will become a plain. He had a lot of problems. Zerubbabel was the governor. He's trying to pull things together. And uh, they've got enemies on different sides. And, you know, Nehemiah's building the wall. Ezra's, you know, in charge of building the temple. And they've, they've got opposition on every side. God said, you see the mountains are rubble, But I want to tell you something. It's not by your might. It's not by your power. It's by my spirit. This mountain will become a plain. You watch and see. I think God is asking some folks here today to watch and see. Just to be willing to say yes to Jesus. Be obedient to Jesus and watch and see what he will do in your life and how he'll move some mountains that you think are immovable. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for showing us the example of our great Savior. Lord, we have a decision to make. God, I ask you to help me to make that decision every day to share as you lead me to share and to be bold in my proclamation. God, I I pray that for your people here, and and maybe there's some other decision. Um, uh, Maybe somebody needs to repent of a sin. Maybe there's uh, a step.